Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul. What's going on? Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Nothing, dude. Um, can you hear this chair? I. Can you hear the squeaking? I hope it doesn't come through. Yeah, keep keep it doing it. Okay, yeah, right. Okay. I hope it doesn't come through on the mic too much. Hopefully, they can edit that out. But uh, this chair, I think, is, is uh, at the end of its life. So time to get a new one. So if anybody has good recommendations for office chairs, uh, I would love to hear it because I can't find a good one. There we go. Super loud. Apologies uh-huh. in advance. Yeah, but no, we both have, uh, we both got sports going on tonight. So we got to kind of hustle through this and get out of here, huh? Yeah, I think this is a perfect time to just do a, a quick like Q&A. You know, we, we continue to receive questions um, from current clients, from new people, from people just listening to the podcast. So we're going to answer them today. Yeah, cool. Well, let's do it, man. Let's dive in. Um, the first one, this is a fun one. And it's, it, it could be a very misunderstood aspect to these policies, even though it sounds simple, it's really not. Um, Paul, what is cash value exactly? Like, what the heck is it? Is it an actual pile of money that's sitting there waiting for me? Or, you know, what is, what is the cash value? Well, it's, it's, it's a representative of the contractual value that you've built up in the policy. You'll hear other people say, uh, and it's correct, this is a, some people aren't used to this kind of language, but it's the net present value of the future death benefit. Uh, and I like the way Ryan puts it. It's it's what the death benefit is worth now, today. Yeah. Right? Uh, the only difference, again, is the, the, the premiums that haven't been paid yet uh, right. as, the years, as the years go by. So that's what it is. And I think people are often confused by it because they're listening to the noise where you have any number of financial entertainers or your Uncle Bob or some other Yahoo who doesn't know anything about life insurance, whole life insurance in particular, and they don't their understanding is based on their misunderstanding. So they think, you know, I've got a question from this client. Hey, when I die, the life insurance company only pays me the death benefit. They don't give me my cash value as well. Right. And yeah. once I explain the relationship between those two things, it becomes clear. Like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I was like, yeah, that it, it would not be in business. Companies would not be in business if that were the case. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And there's another question that has to do with the increasing death benefit. But I like I like Ryan's explanation the way I see it. Um, and the simplest way that I can explain it is that cash value is just how much of your death benefit you have access to today. That's right. That's it. Because your death benefit grows to equal your cash value when you're 120 years old. Right. The cash value grows to equal the death benefit. I'm sorry. Yeah. The other way around. Yep. So your cash I knew value. What you meant. Yep. So they'll equal each other at 120 years old. But until then, your debt, your cash value is going to be less than your death benefit because it just represents how much equity you have in the asset. Just like a home you have, you've been paying on your mortgage for so many years, uh, 10 years into a 30 year mortgage. You have a certain amount of equity in your home, right? In the asset that, and that equity just re- represents how much you could potentially access if the bank allows you uh, in cash of what you own. So this is the same thing. It's the amount of equity you have in the asset, which is the death benefit. That's the true asset here. 
That's right. We've bring, we've brought up that example of of when you sell the house, you know. Yeah. Or when you pay your house off, you go down to the bank. All right, I'm here for my equity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, either, no, we're just gonna we're yeah. just gonna give you the deed, uh, unless you want to go through this whole loan process again. Then we'll you know maybe allow you to tap the equity. But no, exactly right. Um, and it's also um, another way to look at it is it's what the life insurance company will pay you to walk away from the contract. Yeah. So the cash surrender value or the net cash surrender value. Um, yeah. Or as James says, pay to walk away. yeah, if you get mad and quit, this is what if you, you get, get to mad, walk away. That's right. Yeah. You, you get you, mad and quit. You pick up your ball and, and you go it. home. That's yeah. right. That's, that's how much, yeah, they'll pay you to take that liability off their books. So another way to look at it. So there, uh, hopefully that's, uh, that uh, clears it up exactly what that cash value is. So. Uh, every question here could be its own episode, but we're just trying to give the the broad overview, thirty thousand foot view to to help people. And if you want to dive in more, reach out, ask another question, and we can dive in more. Um, so that one kind of leads into the next one, which will help explain how this works. Is hey, if my premiums stay level, then doesn't that mean my death benefit stays level too? Well, I would say the easy answer is it depends. When we're talking about dividend paying whole life insurance through a mutual life insurance company, no. No. Right? Um, the policies that I used to have that were non-participating policies or non-dividend paying, meaning dividends would go to shareholders, not policy owners, right? right. Um, I had a level premium and I had a level death benefit. Yep. Now, it still worked the same way as we as we learned in question one, where the cash value was going up every year to meet that, you know, the future death benefit. Right. Um, but with participating policies or dividend paying whole life insurance, uh, yes, your premiums will remain level. In fact, they'll often go down over time right. to uh, comply with MEC rules. And that's that's kind of all done behind the scenes with 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 software the companies have. Um, but no, your death benefit contractually arises because this is a participating dividend paying whole life insurance contract. So there's contractual growth of the policy of the cash value and the death benefit. And there's also non-guaranteed growth, which is the, when I see non-guaranteed folks, that's the dividend side of the ledger. As dividends are paid and you use those to buy paid up additional insurance, paid up additions, that will also add to your cash value and your death benefit. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if there's anything else I need to, to answer on that one, but so once you understand that, that your death benefit rises every year because you use those dividends to purchase more paid up additions to increase the death benefit, therefore increasing the cash value because the cash value, once again, is just how much of the death benefit you have access to today. So the greater the death benefit, look, the more access the cash will have. Correct. Larger death, yeah, if, if that's true and it is, Dave, why would you want a small death benefit if why, the cash yeah. value and that are going to try to meet someday? Right. Exactly. Um, I had that conversation today in the office, so it was, that was an easy one. Nice. Oh, that's what you were doing when we were supposed to be on a phone call together. Right. You're, yeah, maybe. You're, you're talking business. No, it was early else. in the morning. It was like yeah. 10. Okay. Oh, that, that's early in the morning for you, huh? What time well, do you work. wake up? It's like the afternoon for me. 5.45. Okay. That's respectable. Yeah. Yeah. Even for an army guy, you guys are usually like up at dude. Two days ago, I couldn't sleep past like four thirty in the morning, so hmm. I just got up and got up, knocked out a bunch of work. Um, what time do you you go to bed at nine ish? I I wish ten uh, usually ten. 
yeah. 10 30 and i try to get eight hours but between seven and eight hours and then i'm i'm up but um yeah i don't uh i have a i don't get up to run like you army dudes do so i stopped doing that now good. i'm just walking and stuff good <laughs> i just walk with my cane that's right yeah all right so let's go to the next question and like i think we didn't even do this on purpose but these kind of lead into each other and one question helps answer the next question so marion asks hey why shouldn't i just be doing a 1090 policy so first let's explain what's a 1090 policy so if anybody's done their research online and spent any amount of time on YouTube searching the infinite banking concept. One, you've probably seen my video, um, which is the best video out there. Two, you've probably seen a lot of other videos, which some of them talk about, some very popular videos talk about, hey, you should just do a 10% base, 90% paid up additions on your policy. What's another name for this kind of policy? An anti-base policy. Anti-base policy, right? It's, uh, it's all about the, words, the wordsmithing. And maybe but, uh, we link that article that, that Ryan wrote. Yeah, uh, so, so Ryan Griggs wrote a great article about Very well the, done. Yeah, anti-base. And it goes into a lot more detail than we're going to here. We'll just give the highlights on on this, why, why doing a 10% base and 90% PUA policy is not what we propose. It's not what we do. It's not even the policies we create for ourselves is nowhere close to that. We have nope. significantly more base in our policy. Correct. So... Paul, um, what's your what's your answer to that one? Well, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, it's violating one of Nelson Nash's rules, right? Which is don't be afraid to capitalize. And what he meant by that was don't be afraid to pay a premium, right? Yep. People who want instant liquidity in year two, you know, they're not just because you have a high cash value life insurance policy doesn't mean you're doing IBC, right? So. It's short term. It's in other words, it's short term thinking. Right. Where yeah, you're gonna have better liquidity compared to like a fifty fifty design or a forty sixty de design or a thirty seventy design. But why not stop? You know, if you're gonna do ten ninety, you might as well go like one ninety nine. And when I say one, I mean one to the base, one percent to the base, ninety nine percent to the PUA. Right. I don't know if there's any companies that will do that extreme, but um, if there is, people are probably doing it right. Yeah. But it's very short-term thinking, Dave, and we're not going to have the, the time here to get into the level of detail. Um, you know, you're that much closer to the mech line. You are going to restrict yourself later on in the ability to contractually be able to pay premium, high premium, which is what we're signing up to do in your later years. When and the your, policy is efficient. Yeah, when it's most efficient and when you're probably making the most money. The most money. Right? Like your right. 50s and 60s should be your prime earning years. Right. You certainly shouldn't be making less money in your 50s than you were in your 40s or 30s. Right. So you're limiting your long term wealth building capability. You're still going to have a need to put money somewhere. And like you said, at that point, the policy could be so efficient. That's the absolute first place I want money going. And that's where I when I want the largest premium I can possibly have. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, again, just, just, you know, sacrificing that long term um ability to pay premium that long-term growth is um it, it's defeating the purpose and it breaking the principles of ibc it is not it is not correct and it's not something we'll ever recommend right and if that's your only reason for wanting to utilize the strategy then you you've missed the boat you've missed the forest through the trees 
um, reread Nelson's book, figure out why you want to do this. If you agree with the principles of it, one of those principles is don't be afraid to capitalize and think long-term. Yep. So, and then one, one final note on that. Let's, let's not overlook the whole death benefit piece of this, right? We're talking life insurance, life insurance. The primary reason for it is for that death benefit to make your family whole after a loss. So by doing the 1090, 10% only towards base, you're limiting the amount of death benefit you're really putting in place. And, and like we just discussed, the higher the death benefit you have, the more cash value you'll have. So why would you want to limit the, the death benefit? Yeah. And I'm also trying to put as much premium in there as possible because I know that every dollar I pay in premium, that's a dollar that I'm, I'm restrict, you know, or sheltering, if you will, or, um, you know, from future, future taxes, future yeah. tax rates, which are unknown, right? The future is unknown. So, right. Um, I want to put as much in there as I can for as long as I can. Yep. So don't, don't limit. I think one question, um, I like to ask is, are, are you purposely trying to limit the amount of wealth you're, you can build? That sounds like a Trent, a Trent that's answer definitely or a Trent, Trent question. That's a Trent question for sure. That's where I got yeah, it. It's a great question. So if you want to intentionally limit the amount of wealth you can build over your lifetime, then yeah, go get a 1090 policy, but don't get it from us. Right. Unless your base is a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. We'll make exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> There's always exceptions, right? Uh, yeah. That's still a lot of death benefit. All right. So moving on to the next one. Can I use my IRA to fund my life insurance premium? What say you, Paul? Well, it depends what you're willing to do. It depends on the type of IRA. You know, if it's a, uh, I'll say this, if it's a Roth IRA, you can take out up to your basis without penalty at any time outside of age 59 and a half, even like before that, right? right. Any one of us can take money out of our Roth IRAs up to the basis that we have in the, in that IRA. Side note, we're not tax professionals, so get your own advice. Right. But that is true. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, 401ks and, and other, you know, traditional types of accounts, if you're, you know, the only way you could do that is to do a withdrawal. Um, and you're going to pay, if you're before age 59 and a half, you're going to pay, um, and it, with few exceptions, there's the rule of 55, which is, a, you know, limited people can can t take advantage of that. Um, again, seek your, your tax professional. But... Um, you, t you take a penalty and pay income tax on that money that you take out of that qualified plan before age 59 and a half. So is it a great option? Yeah, that's something individuals need to decide based on their own personal situation. So I guess really answers, it, it really just depends what you're yeah. willing to do. I mean, the truth is you can do whatever you want with that, those sure. IRA funds, yeah. right? You just got to be willing to, to pay the, the penalty right. and the taxes. However, that being said, I think we, t we spoke on this maybe in the last episode, but if you are in those years between 59 and a half and 72, and you can take that money out penalty free and there's no limit to how much or how little you can take out, um, you can certainly take that money out, use it to fund your premium sure, and then pull uh, cash value loans in order to, to fund your life. So that's one way you can pay your premium uh, during retirement, right? And utilize those, those funds. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, Next question, and this is one that the really a common one that comes up with current clients is when will I know it's time to add another policy to my system? Sure. So there's several reasons, but why don't you go with with a couple? Yeah, I generally say that um, 
you know, if I'm fully funding my policy, meaning paying the base and the PUA every year, and then all of a sudden um, I notice that I've got X amount of dollars, you know, significant amount of dollars, let's say that's five grand or 10 grand or 15 grand or 20 grand, or it depends, everyone's going to be different. Maybe it's $100,000. And that's sitting in a savings account unused, unspent. It may be time to open up another policy. Right. That's a good one. Another time might be um, when you have another insurable interest. So an insurable interest could be a spouse, could be a newborn, if you have a baby and you want to get a policy on them, you know, as long as they're, I think, six days old um, is the earliest you can get a policy on them. Get a policy on them, start funding that for them. Um, uh, a business yep. partner, you know, you need yep. a buy-sell agreement. Uh, time to open up a policy in case your partner dies and you need to pay the family out to buy his or her half of the business. That's a great way for a buy-sell. Yeah, absolutely. Great whole life insurance. Yeah. Um, or how about your income increases or you get a, an annual bonus that's unexpected or something. There you go. Cause you took a new job, right? That's, those are all your money. Again, we'll go back to principles here. Your money has to reside somewhere. Yep. Where are you keeping your money? And then what about a windfall? Maybe you're expecting a windfall. You're selling a home. Like I'm, I'm working with a guy right now who's about to sell his home and he's going to walk away with about $700,000. And before he uses that on something else, he wants to put as much of that into a policy as he can and then continue being able to fund it every year after that, of course. But in yep. the first year, we can we can get a significant amount of that capital into the policy and still limit, you know, give him a reasonable premium to pay every year after. So absolutely windfalls. That's another good one. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And then uh, this looks like the last one we got. A.A. Ron asked me. He said, uh, he said, Hey, I've got, I've got a lot of cash value in my policy, but I've also got some cash in the bank and I'm going to go buy a new set of golf clubs. They're going to cost me a thousand bucks. Should I go ahead and take a policy loan to, to pay this? Or should I just, uh, pay with the cash I have sitting in the bank? So what would you say? I would, I would just use the cash in the bank. Um, but I think, <clears throat> I think the question becomes, Unless this is his, um, you know, monthly transactional money that he needs just to keep in checking to, you know, pay his bills and stuff. If it's not that money, I would just ask him why. Why do you have five grand or any arbitrary amount of money sitting outside your banking system that you control? Why wasn't that premium at some point? That 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 would be my only comment to him. But otherwise, I would just swipe my AMX and buy the clubs and then pay it off. Yeah, pay it off, and then if you need to take a loan to pay that off the next month when that credit card bill comes due, then you, you take a cash value loan and pay it off. Sure. There you Absolutely. go. You're floating. You're, you're using somebody else's money for at least 30 days. Uh, you get the float and, um, there you go. Yeah. The question is, and I was talking to a guy today, current client who, um, all of a sudden he's got another 50,000 sitting in the bank and he's wondering what to do with it. <laughs> well, his policy is already completely funded and can't put any more dollars into it this year. Yep. So now it's like, well, is uh, Assuming you can handle another premium starting this year and, and following on, and um, then it's time to put a policy on on your spouse, uh, on your wife, and Absolutely. get that in place, and then we can we can put all that fifty into that policy right away, and uh, set you up to uh, you know the the thought of just using that fifty for any expense or number of expenses right now, and never having the ability to use to earn interest on that money for the rest of his life is really 
it, it makes him sick to think about that now, even though just three months ago, he would have absolutely just paid cash and be done with it. Right. Well, that's, that's a sign of someone who, who gets it and who has taken the time to, to learn and to ask the questions of, of you to, to really truly understand how the, how the product works. And of course, yeah. yeah, the best place for that money is where he'll always, it'll always be growing for him. Absolutely. Value. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's, that'll do it for today. Hey, if anybody's got questions, please send them in, uh, email us at David and Paul at the IDC at- guys. That's com. it. That's, com. It. That's yep. it. Very so, good. Yeah. It is kind of a lot. Yeah. It's a mouthful. All they do is click on a link and yeah, the links in the show notes. So click on that link, send us your question, uh, schedule time with us, whatever, whatever you want, but we love answering questions and, and we'll plan to do plenty more of these Q and A's and, and get the answers out there. So thanks for listening. And, uh, thanks for sending in your questions. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.